You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Weissman Family Dental in Boulder, Colorado. For over 25 years, Weissman Family Dental has been providing high-quality dentistry. They offer regular checkups, emergency care, and a wide range of specialty services. They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you are looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, June 8, 2023 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. News, Sunday School by Shea Castle, Boulder Beat, June 8, 2023. This is part two of a series on Boulder-based evangelical church, The Well. Read part one about its relationship with Rayback Collective at bit.com dot ly slash rayback part one number one digit it was a walk that led doug mckenna to the well strolling one evening near his north boulder home mckenna saw a sign literally quote a sandwich board sign padlocked to a light pole unquote he recalled advertising worship services at nearby foothills elementary school McKenna wasn't particularly religious, but he was curious as to how a government property could be used for religious purposes, so he attended. Thus began years of research, attending and listening to sermons, contacting officials, filing open records requests. When McKenna found is common practice for schools all across the country, among the dozens of clubs, sports teams, and summer camps renting classrooms, auditoriums, and athletic fields from Boulder Valley School District, BVSD, are faith organizations holding worship services. Broad First Amendment protections mean the leasing program that is indispensable to so many community groups also allows churches with views antithetical to BVSD's values to rent there, sometimes for years, including The Well, a controversial evangelical church that has drawn community ire for its beliefs about sexuality, gender, and the role of religion in politics. The availability and affordability of school spaces helps a wide array of organizations operate, proponents argue, not just churches. Critics remain concerned about how such relationships subsidize hateful rhetoric and blur the line between church and state. As for the schools themselves, their hands are largely tied. If they want to rent to anyone in the community, they have to rent to everyone. The kids have no idea. Like many districts, Boulder Valley maintains a community use program in which residents, businesses, and nonprofits can rent school facilities during non-school hours at low costs. In fiscal year 2022-2023, more than 120 groups took advantage of the program, not including those affiliated with BVSD, like parent-teacher associations, or local governments. 
Nearly every one of BVSD's 56 schools was rented out at least once to a day camp, a dance troupe, or private residents in need of overflow parking for parties. For all this, the district will collect just $782,116.70, according to documents acquired via an open records request. BVSD charges between $10 and $44 per hour for classroom space, depending on who is renting it. Private businesses and individuals pay more. Student groups pay the least. Price can be a factor in deciding to locate at a school, according to Matt Patrick, lead pastor of the well. Schools also have many of the things churches need, like auditoriums and separate classrooms for Bible study or other subgroups within a congregation, as well as ample parking. Quote, Finding space in Boulder is very difficult for a church that does not have a building, unquote, Patrick wrote in response to emailed questions. Quote, Our churches do not have much money, and paying staff a living wage in Boulder dramatically affects how much you can spend on a facility, unquote. For the well, Casey Middle School was chosen, quote, because of its central Boulder location, unquote. Patrick said. The church rented there from April 2011 until mid-2020, when it moved to popular bar and food truck park Rayback. BVSD has developed policies specifically for religious use of its school facilities. Two conditions apply to, quote, religious activities, unquote. One, Church services and religious activities must be conducted at times when school is not in session. Two, religious objects and symbols must be removed after each use. These rules are meant to keep churches and other organizations from soliciting students. The well followed them, according to Patrick. Quote, most of the time, Patrick wrote, the kids of the school have no idea that a church rents the space, unquote. Only two faith organizations currently lease space from BVSD, according to a review of records from the district. Adventure Rabbi, a monthly Hebrew school, and Pinewood Church, which occupied Casey Middle School after the well moved to Rayback. A third, Community United Church of Christ, rents a strip of land from Bear Creek Elementary for solar panels. A dozen other churches, including the well, rented space from 2011 to 2019, among them Resurrection Church, whose targeting of college students and, quote, cult-like, unquote, operations were profiled in the Daily Camera and CU Independent. The well recently found itself under scrutiny when McKenna penned an op-ed in the camera on April 5th, calling the organization, quote, a divisive, misogynistic, and potentially LGBTQ hate group, unquote. The well defended itself against McKenna's op-ed, telling Boulder Weekly the church is simply teaching biblical principles. In their own printed response, Pastors Patrick and Chase Davis wrote that they had been, quote, taken out of context and falsely accused, unquote. 
McKenna, they wrote in the Daily Camera, quote, demeaned our congregation, encouraged intolerance of Bible believers, and implied we should be denied the same opportunities to use public venues as all other community groups, unquote. Quote, it is imperative that pastors hold the line, unquote, Davis told right-wing media outlet The Daily Wire, quote, and that the pulpit function as a bulwark of truth in order to equip the church to stand fast, unquote. After an initial interview and follow-up questions answered via email, Patrick declined to comment further, calling the Boulder Weekly article a, quote, hit job, unquote. Officials for Pinewood did not respond to requests for comment. Allowed, but not endorsed. McKenna is not the first to question the Wells' occupancy of Casey Middle School. Parents and nearby residents voiced their concerns to school officials after Marty Combs, a deacon at the well, publicly opposed Boulder's 2018 assault weapons ban, according to an activist who supported the legislation. She spoke to Boulder Weekly on condition of anonymity. Combs is now a church elder. As school officials wrote in response to McKenna's open records request, the well followed the terms of their lease and committed no offense that would result in a violation. Quote, They have paid their invoices on time, they have picked up or cleaned up things as instructed, and have been really good tenants, unquote, a communication specialist wrote in regard to the well and two other churches named in McKenna's query. A handful of churches raised red flags for McKenna, who spent $150 to pull records from BVSD and hours attending worship services. He made note of teachings on homosexuality, politics, and traditional gender roles, anything that fell under his self-imposed label of, quote, fundamentalist evangelical, unquote. What disturbs McKenna almost as much as what the church leaders say is where they are saying it. He opposes, quote, the use of our public school properties for the use of religious indoctrination, unquote. When, quote, when the well was at Casey, they would relabel Casey facilities as their own, unquote, for McKenna said. For example, we're going to have a food event at the Weld Cafeteria. It's part of their strategy to bring their religion and point of view to the public square, unquote, blurring the lines between government and religion. McKenna timed the publication of his camera op-ed to run just prior to the Wells' annual Easter egg hunt on Boulder's historic downtown courthouse lawn on April 8. The courthouse has been designated an historic LGBTQ landmark as the first American government office to issue a same-sex marriage license in 1975. It's an odd spot for a church which has repeatedly preached that marriage is between one man and one woman. But as a county spokesperson noted, the lawn is public space and as such cannot discriminate based on religious views of parties who wish to utilize it. Quote, any group may use the lawn or express their views there, unquote, Gloria Handyside wrote in response to emailed questions. Quote, 
including groups with viewpoints that are at odds with the views of the majority of county residents, the Boulder County government, or the county commissioners themselves, unquote. So too are BVSD's values in conflict with those of many hardline Christians. The district has embraced its LGBTQ students, staff, and faculty, supporting them with progressive policies, including detailed guidelines for non-gender conforming and transitioning individuals that grants equal access. Multiple Supreme Court rulings have upheld the right of religious institutions to rent school space specifically, striking down attempts to restrict such uses. Officials for BVSD initially agreed to an interview, but rescinded the offer after Boulder Weekly published an article detailing the Wells' relationship with Rayback. A district spokesperson answered questions and sent the following statement via email. Quote, The Boulder Valley School District, like other school districts and governmental agencies that rent their facilities after hours, has established neutral access criteria for facility use. Public organizations are not permitted to discriminate against religious or political organizations that otherwise satisfy the criteria for facility use. We believe that the policy and practices in place in the Boulder Valley School District create a clear delineation between BVSD, its values, and the values of its renters, unquote. One paragraph in the policy bears the weighty task of deflecting criticism from the district over thorny issues arising from its religious renters. Quote, Permission for use of district facilities does not constitute district endorsement of any organization, the beliefs of an organization or group, nor the expression of any opinion regarding the nomination, retention, election, or defeat of any candidate, nor the expression of any opinion as to the passage or defeat of any ballot issue, unquote. Part of the Neighborhood The overlap of schools and churches has a long history, said Andrew Barnes, a professor at Arizona State University's Center for the Study of Religion and Conflict. Schools are the first thing built by overseas Christian missionaries. The buildings then double as churches on Sundays. And Sunday school, a staple of many Christian worship services, were started as a way to teach working-class children to read. Quote, If you can teach them just a little enough of how to read the gospel, then you improve their lives in some very basic ways, as well as expose them to a higher form of Christianity than they're exposed to at home, Barnes said. Schools have been understood as the number one vehicle of Christian evangelization across the centuries, unquote. That seems to be even more pronounced in the West, according to Barnes. In Arizona, quote, I'm not going to say every elementary school has a church in it on the weekends, but if you go past a bunch of them, typically one out of two, unquote, he said. In the past few decades, evangelizing shifted somewhat away from foreign missions and into America's secular urban centers, 
explained Samuel Boyd, a professor of religious studies and biblical texts at CU Boulder. The well and their successors at Casey are church planters, a term for establishing a new congregation. Some church planters believe in the concept of, quote, incarnationalism, unquote, Boyd said, which could also help explain their frequent use of schools. Quote, they say we want to look like the neighborhood where we are, unquote, Boyd said, quote, They'd rather have a church enmeshed in your neighborhood, so the next time you have anything they can help out with, they're already in the neighborhood, unquote. Quote, most church plants that I'm aware of are mostly trying to incarnate with their communities, unquote. Evangelicals don't tend to think of public space as somehow being separate from religious space, according to Barnes. Quote, it's impossible to think from the evangelical point of view of a space that is walled off from the gospel. The distinction between public and religion does not exist in that context, unquote. Open to all? To the non-religious, that can feel like an affront to the separation of church and state, a constitutional principle. Quote, since public school districts often have the least expensive rental rates available in the community, rental to churches often involves what many of us consider taxpayer subsidy of congregations, unquote, wrote the Freedom from Religion Foundation in a treatise on church use of public schools. Quote, startup churches often take advantage of low school rental to establish themselves, unquote, the foundation noted, quote, they obtain a prominent site for a new church, collect church donations on public property, and use their savings to eventually buy their own tax-free buildings, unquote. That schools are taxpayer-funded is what keeps them open to all, says Rabbi Jamie Korngold. She rents space at Bear Creek Elementary for her monthly Hebrew school and occasionally at Summit Middle School for larger religious services, through her synagogue, Adventure Rabbi. She calls herself, quote, very passionate, unquote, about the program and the possibilities it presents. Quote, I love the idea on so many different levels that we're using facilities when the schools aren't using them, unquote, Korngold said. Quote, there's so many wonderful reasons the community should be using these buildings, unquote. She has been renting from BVSD since her son was in preschool. He's now in college. Quote, renting a large building seems ridiculous because we don't meet that often, unquote, Korngold said. Quote, we probably would find a way to do it without it, but it's been really wonderful to us, unquote. Korngold acknowledges the confusion and hurt of residents upset to see harmful messages about LGBTQ people and women emanating from what should be safe spaces for children. She challenges people to reconcile with the reality of what it means to keep community spaces truly open to all. Quote, if we're open to everybody, if there's space for everybody, if everyone should be able to believe what they want to believe, if you follow that out all the way, you also have to have space for people who are homophobic and people that hate Jews, unquote, she said. 
Quote, that's everybody. To me, that's the crux of the problem. Do we really want to be open to everybody? Unquote. Shea Castle is the founder of Boulder Beat, an online news site dedicated to deep dive journalism on local issues. Opinion, the Anderson Files. The State of the Republican Party in Colorado is Dire by Dave Anderson, June 8, 2023. The Colorado Republican Party has suffered a big decline in contributions and currently has no paid staffers. The party recently elected a chair, Dave Williams, a 2020 election-denying former three-term state representative from Colorado Springs. In 2022, Republicans lost every statewide office by big margins and now have the lowest share ever of the state legislature. Williams claims this is because the party isn't right-wing enough. He promises to be a, quote, wartime, unquote, leader. He asked Tina Peters to join the leadership. She's the ankle monitor-wearing former Mesa County clerk indicted for election crimes. A number of prominent Republicans promptly announced they were leaving the party. From 1968 to 2004, Colorado backed the Republican presidential nominees except for Bill Clinton's 1992 victory over then-President George H.W. Bush. Independent candidate Ross Perot won almost 24% of the Colorado vote. Then, beginning in 2008, when Barack Obama ran, Democratic nominees won Colorado. In 2020, Joe Biden won the state in a 13.5-point landslide. Colorado's had a Democratic governor since 2006 after years of Republican dominance. Democrats hold the two U.S. Senate seats. MAGA-supporting U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert won re-election in 2022, but by a tiny margin. In May, the Republican stronghold of Colorado Springs surprised many when independent candidate Yemi Mobolade was elected mayor in a runoff. He is a Nigerian immigrant who moved to the Springs in 2010 to help start a church. He also co-founded two local coffee houses. Mobolade is the city's first elected black mayor and the first who isn't a Republican in four decades. In April, a dozen candidates ran for mayor. Mobilati garnered the most votes, with Wayne Williams coming in second. This Williams is a well-known figure in Colorado. He was elected Secretary of State in 2014 after being an El Paso County Commissioner and County Clerk. He's currently an at-large City Council member for Colorado Springs. Of the mayoral runoff election, Chase Woodrove of Colorado Newsline reported, quote, Mobilade pitched himself to voters as a moderate who would make Colorado Springs an, in, an inclusive, culturally rich, economically prosperous, safe, and vibrant city. He struck broad notes of agreement with Williams and other conservatives when it came to tough approaches to issues of crime, policing, and homelessness and he rejected Williams' claims that he supported collective bargaining rights for city employees, unquote. Heidi Beadle, who covers the city's politics for the Colorado Springs Independent, 
a paper similar to Boulder Weekly and the Colorado Times Recorder, an online progressive political outlet, criticizes, quote, quote, pundits and politicos across the country, unquote, who portray Mobilati's win as a progressive victory. She notes that, quote, Mobilati is not a Democrat and has a history of union busting and wage theft as a business owner, unquote. She writes, quote, Much of the opposition against Wayne Williams came not from liberals or progressive, but the rabid faction of election deniers and rhino hunters who have supported Dave Williams and embattled El Paso County GOP chair Vicki Tonkins. Wayne Williams' ties to Runbeck election systems have made him and his wife, El Paso County Commissioner Holly Williams, central figures in local election conspiracies and the target of perennial defamation lawsuit defendant Joe Oltman, whose vocal support for fringe candidates like Tina Peters and Ron Hanks have proved disastrous for Colorado's Republican Party, unquote. In recent years, the fights in the El Paso County Republican Party have been so fierce that the state GOP has intervened to mediate. In 2022, Secretary of State Jenna Griswold asked Wayne Williams if he would appear with her in a bipartisan public service TV ad. Williams was the Secretary of State from 2015 until 2019 when Griswold, a Democrat, defeated him. They told the audience Colorado's elections are secure and not subject to fraud. They warned voters to be alert to election disinformation. This ad angered many Republicans. Former Colorado GOP chair Dick Wadhams told Beadle that the El Paso County Party, quote, can be charitably called a dumpster fire for the last several elections, unquote. He said Mobilati's victory was due more to unaffiliated voters than Democrats. He said that all over the state, quote, unaffiliated voters cut against us in the last three election cycles because of their antipathy to Donald Trump, unquote. Unlike many Republicans these days, Wayne Williams conceded the election early and left his watch party to congratulate Mobilati in person. This opinion does not necessarily reflect the views of the Boulder Weekly. Opinion, Letters, June 8, 2023, by readers like you. Regarding Rayback and the Well, I have two issues with Nicole Garcia's comments in the, quote, risky business, unquote, article, News, May 25, 2023. First, Nicole states, quote, it's hard to know if this little Bible is the exact word of God or is it a place where we start, unquote. The problem with saying that the Bible has been manipulated, even by accident, basically lets you ignore or read anything you want into the words of the text, effectively making the entire Bible irrelevant. Second, Shea Castle states, quote, what Garcia objects to is the infusion of the Wells brand of Christianity into American law, which elevates one denomination's views over others in violation of the separation of church and state enshrined in the Constitution, unquote. Here, I think Nicole's understanding of the First Amendment and our history is lacking. Quote, 
No, no quote, excuse me. States within the U.S. used to dictate religion, even when the First Amendment's Establishment Clause was enacted. The Establishment Clause only prevented the federal government from dictating a specific religion for the people of the U.S., which left the states free to do so. Six states had established churches in 1789. See Clarence Thomas's concurrence in Town of Greece versus Galloway and Established Churches in America by John R. Vile. Massachusetts was the last state to disestablish its church in 1833, well after the First Amendment was ratified in 1791. States were not bound by the First Amendment until 1941, when the Supreme Court decided it applied to states in Everson v. Board of Education, where the court used the 14th Amendment, ratified in 1868, to say the Bill of Rights applied to the states. The Supreme Court continues to allow states and religious organizations to work together today as they complement one another, e.g. Fulton v. Philadelphia. Regardless of U.S. history about religions intermingling with the law, a person's views of what laws should be enacted is going to be directly related to their moral foundation. Those at the well have a certain moral foundation based on their understanding of the Bible. That foundation informs their morals, which then impacts what laws they would want passed. To want laws passed that are antithetical to their own beliefs likely means they don't actually believe those things. This likely applies to Nick Hall or anyone else for that matter. From James Wendell in Erie. Bridging the confidence gap in the tech market. When most people think of tech jobs, they imagine young math and science whizzes working for big name companies like Apple or IBM. Or they think about the recent tech layoff headlines and assume the industry isn't doing well. But a tech company isn't the same as a tech job. And you don't need to look like Mark Zuckerberg or live in Silicon Valley to work in tech. You can work in tech right here in Boulder. In fact, the median tech wage in the surrounding Boulder area is estimated to be $107,254. The Boulder tech job market offers a wealth of opportunities and promising career paths for individuals. However, a significant barrier is keeping job seekers from even considering these positions. That barrier is the confidence gap, and it needs to be addressed to keep Boulder's tech job market growing. This confidence gap stems from real and perceived barriers by over 55% of job seekers. One of the most prominent perceived barriers is that many individuals assume they need a mastery of complex mathematical concepts or scientific principles to pursue a career in technology. The truth is that while these skills are valuable in specific tech roles, they are not essential for every position. In fact, some of the most in-demand IT skills have nothing to do with math or science. The numbers don't lie. Boulder is helping lead the tech job market, and now is the time for Boulder residents to consider a career in tech. Just because you don't live in the tech capital or thought you were, quote, bad at math and science, unquote, in grade school, 
doesn't mean tech isn't for you. From Hannah Johnson, Downers Grove, Illinois. Opinion. This pride is different. We are resilient, but we shouldn't have to be. By Bruce Parker, June 8, 2023. I am finishing my first monthly column about LGBTQ life for Boulder Weekly on June 5, 2023, which is my 43rd birthday. It is also the first week of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer LGBTQ Pride Month. I am proud. I am proud of being a queer man who has built a life and a career dedicated to helping members of the LGBTQ community, my unique household, my family of origin, and my chosen family, where I work, out Boulder County, and where I live, Boulder, and to have the opportunity to write this column. I have known since I was 16 that I would not change my identity and my attractions if I could. My life is better because I am queer. The LGBTQ community in Boulder and beyond also has a lot to be proud of this year. It is easy to point toward our civic, economic, political, and creative accomplishments. However, the truth is that we always deserve to be proud of who we are and who we love. The ability to be proud of ourselves and our community is a radical act of resistance in a world that has felt particularly dangerous for us over the past year. As Marty Moore, executive director of Out Boulder County, has been saying, quote, this pride feels different, unquote. It feels more urgent than at any point I can remember. When I last saw an official count, there had been 630 pieces of anti-LGBTQ legislation, many targeting trans people, introduced in legislatures across the country. Many of these bills are becoming laws. Hate crimes and discrimination are on the rise again. Our community is being used as a political tool by conservative candidates across the country. I recently visited Shepherdstown, West Virginia with my partner. During the week we spent there, I had the opportunity to meet some of the LGBTQ folks who were important to him and to see a small part of the lives they had built in their community. I felt welcomed and embraced. Late night conversations, laughter, and meals prepared to celebrate my visit proved once again that LGBTQ people recognize each other. Our shared identities and experiences bring us together. We are unique individuals with our own expressions of gender and sexuality, and we are a part of a supportive, dynamic, and resilient community. In the weeks since we flew back to Boulder, I keep thinking about one of those nights in particular, when a trans man shared the obstacles he faced to receiving gender-affirming medical care. He shared that those obstacles had multiplied as a result of legislation passed in West Virginia targeting trans people. He shared the difficulties of affording care and how that is exacerbated by needing to travel two hours out of state to get safe, quality care. After spending a few minutes brainstorming possible solutions, the group turned to reminiscing, and I watched as these vibrant and creative LGBTQ individuals found joy in each other's company. I kept thinking that just because we are resilient 
doesn't mean we should have to be. West Virginia is not an outlier. Similar legislation has been introduced across the country, including in Colorado. After 20 years of working in LGBTQ support and advocacy, I know it is never strategic to sound the alarm unless the threat is real. Right now, the threat to the lives and freedom of LGBTQ people across our country is real. Just because we live in Colorado doesn't make us safe from the impacts of hate and bigotry. We are one bad election away from seeing these trends take hold here. Even if we are able to defeat anti-LGBTQ legislation, the rhetoric erodes our confidence and threatens our mental health. Don't be confused. LGBTQ people are under attack. One of the more insidious realities of our current political climate is that our most vulnerable community members are the primary targets of these attacks. Youth, trans people, and the intersection of these identities in people of color. We need each other and we need our allies. The only way to successfully resist organized efforts to erase us lies in community. If you have ever told yourself that you would never sit by and watch the lives of an entire group of people be threatened because of who they are and who they love, now is the moment to get involved. Volunteer, donate, attend events, have difficult conversations with family and friends about LGBTQ issues, check on your LGBTQ loved ones, and support pro-equality candidates. LGBTQ people are proud. If we have survived to see this Pride Month, we have done so in the face of overwhelming odds against us. We deserve to celebrate ourselves, our identities, and our histories. I hope you will join me and the rest of the Out Boulder County team in celebrating Pride Month by attending some or all of our many community events this month, including Boulder Pride on Sunday, June 11, and Longmont Pride on Friday, June 30. Allies are welcome. This opinion does not necessarily reflect the views of Boulder Weekly. Entertainment. Stage. Universal Language by Tony Tresca, June 8, 2023. According to local actor David Carrasco, persuading Colorado audiences to turn out for shows that include Spanish dialogue has always been a tall order. Quote, I have had so many actor friends tell me they don't come out to see performances at Su Teatro, Cultural and Performing Arts Center, because of the language barrier, unquote, Carrasco says. Quote, they are so worried about not understanding every word that they don't show up. One thing I always found funny about that is that when operas are produced, audiences are willing to sit through four hours of French or Italian and not understand a word of it. What is the difference with Spanish? Unquote. Denver's Firehouse Theater Company has been having these types of conversations ever since Deborah Gallegos, a well-known Latina performer with nearly 50 years of theater and music experience, recently joined the group's board of directors. Despite the challenges of staging a work in Spanish, the team agreed they couldn't pass up the opportunity to stage the regional premiere of Charity Part 3 of a Mexican Trilogy, by Evelinda Fernandez. Quote, 
Deborah knows the playwright and suggested we read some of her work, unquote, says Helen Hand, Firehouses, Theaters, board president and executive producer. Quote, After we read the entire trilogy, we decided the third play would be the easiest to stage in the space. Charity is the culmination of this family story, and it was actually where Evelina began when she wrote the original trilogy. We decided to do Charity because Deborah was enthusiastic about directing it, and the play reflects our desire to produce meaningful theater that doesn't make you want to slit your wrists." Unquote. Charity is the final play in Fernandez's sprawling epic following the Moraleses, a multi-generational Mexican-American family. The play takes place shortly after the death of Pope John Paul II in 2005 and juxtaposes his passing with the family's own tragedies. Esperanza Yolanda Ortega, the family's elderly matriarch, lives with Gina Magali Luna, and Rudy, Phil Luna, whose son recently died in the U.S. invasion of Iraq. As Esperanza works to keep the family together, the spirits of deceased family members, including her husband and her late great-grandson, visit her with advice. Another step closer. Since charity was different from anything Firehouse Theater had programmed in the past, they hosted script readings of the entire trilogy ahead of auditions. Quote, We wanted to introduce our patrons to the play and reach out to the Latino community, unquote, Han says. About half of the actors who were cast participated in these initial readings, which gave them the opportunity to read various roles and decide whether or not they wanted to be a part of the project. Quote, the story really resonated with me, unquote, says Ortega, one of the actors involved with the show since its initial script readings at Firehouse. Quote, I grew up in a military family, so I saw a lot of young men who went to war, especially in the Vietnam and Gulf Wars, and what it did to them. Esperanza's character is so multifaceted and takes you on this roller coaster ride. She gets emotional, is funny as heck, and is also very real. Unquote. When Firehouse Theater hosted the initial readings, one of the questions that Gallegos posed to the audience was whether or not the play should include subtitles. Though the majority of the script is in English, the creative team was concerned that without translation, audiences would miss out on things like jokes that only work in Spanish. Quote, We asked the audience, and pretty much everyone said, Don't do it, unquote, Gallegos says. Quote, I read some reviews of a production in L.A. that did have subtitles, and it sounded like it was more distracting than helpful. I wanted people to be able to connect with the characters without constantly looking away to read word for word what they were saying. Becky Pineda is our assistant director, and she helps by letting us know when something is not clear to an English speaker. If something doesn't make sense, the actors and gestures add gestures or use a different inflection to clarify what they are saying." Unquote. To that end, audiences at Firehouse Theater are urged to lean in and accept the fact that they might not fully grasp each and every nuance of what is being said on stage. Quote, don't be afraid of us as Mexican-Americans, unquote, 
Carrasco says, Histor- quote, historically, Colorado audiences have been uncomfortable with our language, but I have seen a good response to this show online, and I am hoping that translates to butts in seats. It's important to attend performances like charity because it's not the norm to see these stories reflected on stage. I appreciate Firehouse for taking a chance on a project like this, and I hope it's another step closer to allowing people of color access to theater, unquote. On stage, Charity, Part 3 of a Mexican Trilogy, Trilogy. Various times through July 1, Firehouse Theater Company, 7653 East First Place in Denver. You can get tickets online at firehousetheatercompany.ticketspice.com slash Mexican-trilogy-charity. Entertainment, music, around the world. Big Samir of globetrotting Colorado hip-hop duo The Reminders builds community across borders by Adam Perry, June 8, 2023. There's a whole world in the sound of Colorado Springs hip-hop duo The Reminders. Not unlike the Clash's outlook in the early 1980s, the husband-wife team of Big Samir and Asia Black take inspiration from the music and culture encountered in their travels around the globe, adding it dash by dash to their bubbling musical cauldron here on the Front Range. The couple's international bent isn't just from their travels, though. Black, a singer, songwriter, and multi-intermentalist, was born in Queens, New York, and after her father enlisted in the military, grew up everywhere from Portugal to England. Samir was born in Brussels, Belgium, and raised in the Democratic Republic of Congo. His stepfather was eventually stationed in Colorado, which he learned to call home. As fate would have it, Black's father was stationed here the same exact summer. Quote, She globed her whole childhood and got acclimated to all these different spaces, unquote, Samir says. Quote, so we had this mutual feeling when we got here, like we've been all around the world, and here we are, unquote. Colorado Springs was far from a cultural hub when serendipity brought the pair together in the late 90s, but Black and Samir made do by sharing songs and experiences. Stitched together by these common threads, the two kept in touch when Black went off to college in Florida. Quote, when she finally came back and was done with school and we just started hanging out every day, she mentioned she had never really been to a concert, Samir says. She'd been to concerts when she was younger, like Whitney Houston, but we started going to reggae on the rocks. We started going to watch Steel Pulse whenever they, they were around. Every weekend we were going to a concert. And eventually our love for music and also being artists individually, it just grew. We formed a bond that was just so powerful, unquote. MCs Without Borders Before they knew it, Samir and Black had formed a band that would eventually become the Reminders, plus a marriage and then a family. But the couple made more than a life for themselves and their three children in the city they call home. They also helped create a scene. 
On that score, Samir's first musical offering to the Springs came in the way of an early project with his sister's ex-husband. It was one of the city's only hip-hop groups alongside Fusion of Syllables, FOS, featuring celebrated local MC Black Pegasus, back when accessible stages for such local artists were few and far between. Quote, We pretty much formed the hip-hop scene here, Samir, Samir says. We would go to different bars and clubs and ask if we could have a night. There was no hip-hop night. They didn't want anything to do with hip-hop. A club called The Underground Downtown gave us the basement to do whatever we wanted on Monday nights, which is an odd night. That's probably why they gave it to us. But we turned it out, unquote. From there, the scene began to flourish, and the Reminders surfed the new wave with the duo's 2008 debut, Recollect. Bursting with poetry, beats, diverse influences, and sharp intellect, the album served as the first showcase for the Reminders' international brand of, quote, conscious hip-hop, unquote, a politically charged and community-minded subgenre pioneered by legends like KRS-One and Public Enemy. It's a tradition the Reminders carry on today, balancing music with activism, touring not just as musicians, but as, quote, cultural diplom diplomacy, unquote, educators, in places like Morocco, Uganda, Chile, and beyond. Quote, we do a lot of residencies where we will go into a town for three days. We'll have a performance on Friday or Saturday, but then the days leading to it will lead workshops or we'll go into schools and do a performance for the kids who can't necessarily afford, you know, a $15, $20 ticket to go to a concert, Samir says. It's something we do everywhere we go. We try to make sure we connect with that community instead of just, hey, I'm in your town, I'll play a show and leave. We'll connect with that community and it makes a difference. You have an impact and these people remember you, unquote. That sense of community shines through in the Reminders' latest album, Unstoppable, released in 2019, mixing conscious hip-hop with elements of New Orleans and Latin music, desert blues, and more. But while the duo has released a smattering of singles over the last few years, Black and Samir seem more focused on performing and community work than a new album. It's that impact that matters most, says Samir. Quote, I tell people all the time, yeah, I was born in Belgium, but I was raised in the Congo. And now to be where I am, I'm a world-renowned artist. And there are times while I'll perform at a school in Southeast Denver, where there are little Congolese kids. And by the time I tell them I'm from Congo, they're so excited, he says. They're like, wait, and you're on a stage and you're singing and I can see you on YouTube? It means something to them and it gives them this confidence that they can be that as well. That's my purpose, to light that fire in people, unquote. On the bill, Modus Theater Immigrant Heritage Month performance with the reminders. 7.30 p.m., Saturday, June 10, Dairy Arts Center, Gordon Gam Theater, 2590 Walnut Street in Boulder. This event is free. Cuisine, good taste. Merci beaucoup. Le French Café breathes life and rock and roll into classic French fare. By Colin Wren, June 8, 2023. 
He's the quote, he's the magician and I'm the bubbly happy front, unquote, says a beaming Agnes Garijou. She's talking about her husband, Quentin, who just stepped out for a cigarette from the kitchen he runs at their shared restaurant, Le French Café, 2525 Arapaho Avenue. Quentin grew up in the Loire Valley, the idyllic stretch of central France known for its fabulous Vouvray and Sancerre wines. First enamored by watching his grandmother cook, he and Agnes still use many of her recipes to this day. The emerging chef cut his teeth working in kitchens, beginning as a dishwasher, then moving across the line in cookeries and bakehouses throughout France, finally landing in Miami, where he and Agnes operated cafes. Quote, Quentin has a passion and love, loves to feed people, unquote, Agnes says. Agnes had her youth in Haute-Savoie, a region of the Alps perhaps most famous for its nearly 40 ski resorts. She also grew up in a cooking family and knows her way around the staples. Prior to meeting, the two were often semi-nomadic, working seasonally with six months on the mountain and another six by the sea. Quote, we met each other in the Pyrenees, she says. I was a waitress and he was a cook. After a year together, we decided to try the American life, unquote. That new life began once again by the sea and stayed there for a decade. But in 2017, the duo moved to Boulder to open Le French Café. Quote, after 10 years in Florida, it was time for us to come back to the mountain, unquote, she says. Each day, Wednesday through Sunday, around 8 a.m., folks in the Goss Grove neighborhood awaken to the smell of fresh pastry. Of course, there's croissant and plenty of them. The chocolate almond variety is the most tasty. On the savory side, there's quiche, crepes, and croque, monsieur, jambon, and veggie alike. There are also lovely omelets and a dozen baguette sandwiches. The scene is welcoming, but even at the crack of nine when the place opens, you can hear the likes of the strokes at nearly full volume. The menu reads, quote, French people are so hardcore they eat pain for breakfast, unquote. Though starting the day with any of these breads is anything but excruciating. The restaurant was, quote, the restaurant was inspired by our love for food and humans, says Agnes. Quentin loves to cook for people and I love to help serve them. We have always been a team and always dreamt since we met each other to have a restaurant, unquote. Recently, the duo introduced dinner two nights a week, serving from 5.30 to 8 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. There's raclette, France and Switzerland's even more decadent answer to fondue, that comes with house potatoes and is best enjoyed with the supplemental ratatouille. For those less decadent, French onion soup and charcuterie are a good way to start, with mains like duck breast, salmon steak, and bœuf bourguignon, all hitting the table as robust tributes to the fatherland of fine dining. But the fare is decidedly unstuffy. White tablecloths be damned. Quote, we call them casual dinners because it's good family-style food served in a casual ambience, Agnes says. We want people to be able to come as they are, unquote. While the duo seems satisfied serving French cafe food to the good people of Boulder, they've also suggested the possibility of a food truck or a second restaurant in the mountains. Whatever happens, Agnes says they're ready for the ride. Quote, we will see where life brings us, unquote. 
Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.